Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to the Satellite Sisters. Thanks for joining us this morning. It's Sunday, November 15th. We're happy to be with you today. We have a good crew on. Uh, I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California, and we're putting the Satellite and Satellite Sisters. We have Monica Dolan checking in from Portland, Oregon. Hey, Monica. Good morning. Long time since I talked to you guys. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I know. I feel like uh, you're the famous sisters traveling the world on the Facebook page. Book page so, you know, pe- you. people think we talk to you all the time. I, like, on the, how's Monica doing? I was like, we don't know. She she doesn't check in much. <laughs> so, uh, Julie, that's laugh is Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. Good morning, Julie. Hi, how are you? I have, um, I think, allergies or a cold or both. So if I sound a little under the weather, it's a good thing we're not connected. Okay. So I don't have, I'm not spreading germs. That is a good thing. That's excellent. All right, we do have a full show today. Um, Liz and Sheila are not here because they're flying back home from what can only be called a triumphant visit to St. Paul, Subsex Books in St. Paul. We got an email late last night from Liz. We'll share that and a few other highlights from the book tour. Julie has a throwdown now. You know, we're, it's going to, it's now it's getting competitive because that's the kind of girls we are. So we're going to talk about that. Um, a story from the Wall Street Journal on caregivers in India and what that's like. And then we have some, we have a bevy of movie reviews because it is the season. So uh, between the three sisters, we saw three different movies this week. So we're going to talk about Spotlight, Brooklyn, and Spectre. And then finally, some exciting neighbor news. <laughs> so, um, you, you, you sisters are going to be, everybody's going to be really excited about this. Okay. Yes. All right, Julie, we believe you. But first, of course, you know, uh, the world stopped on Friday night when the uh, the terrorist attacks hit Paris. It just it was unbelievable to even take that in how bad that that must have been when it was happening to comprehend the six separate terrorist attacks, the scope of the bloodshed, the scope of the carnage, and just uh, just feeling overwhelmed for the people of Paris. Right? I know. I mean, it's impossible not to be moved by that. I think because in part that. Every, you know, that Paris is in everybody's heart. You know, yeah. I don't know whether you've been there or you dream about going there. I mean, one of the things that happened immediately on social media was so many people put up pictures of their families in front of the Eiffel Tower, you know, yeah. Arc de Triomphe. I mean, it's just, it, it was one of those places. It, 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 and that's why the savagery and the brutality uh, of, the, of that, I think, just ripped through everybody's heart. Uh, on Friday night, I was actually having um, a tennis team dinner. I'm on this tennis team by by the luck. I'm at the bottom rung of this tennis team. Okay. And, but we're an intrepid team, and they've had a lot of injuries this season, so I've gotten to play, which is good. Good for me. And so we were celebrating our fourth place uh, finish, which was uh, very strong for us, and we were having 
a dinner with, you know, there were eight, ten women there. Um, but one of our uh, team members was not there. Martha was actually uh, on a trip. She was visiting her daughter on her junior year abroad in Spain. She had been looking forward to this for, you know, six months. But as part of the trip to Spain, they were going to spend the weekend in Paris. Oh, so, wow. of course, they were in Paris. And during the dinner, a number of people were texting Martha to see, you know, to check in, like right. everybody did around the world. Yeah. Are you okay? Are you okay? And Martha was, Martha and her husband and their daughter were out to dinner. They were in a cafe in a different arrondissement in Paris, but they were told at, you know, in, at this restaurant that you needed to, they needed to go home, that, that there's, you know, that there had been some attacks, you should go home. And so they left the restaurant um, but we're unable to, you know, to find a cab or to figure out where the metro station was. They were afraid to go there. And so you, you can imagine what that must be like right. to be a tourist in a strange, you know, in a strange city trying to figure out what to do, you know, while this attack is going on. I guess they went into another restaurant just to ask for directions or help. And there was someone in the restaurant, a French, a French woman that just decided to help them and said, you come with me, I'll put you in my car and I will drive you to your hotel. And so that's, you know, that's what's happened. And Martha wrote on her Facebook page about, you know, just the tremendous amount of kindness that was going on in the midst of all of, you know, all of this terror and the carnage is that people opened their doors. They took in people that were, you know, running from the stadium or running from the, you know, from the theater. And that in this case, this, you know, this woman, this French woman, you know, just wanted to help these tourists, this little family of tourists, you know, and that, you know, that is something that, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this is sort of a moment like, you know, like I, a game I can't changer, go, I, like a real I, I game do, changer. I can't go back. I mean, there was, you know, it was just it was Paris this week, but it was also in Beirut. You right. Know, early, the day before in Beirut, you know, they had, you know, they had killed 43 people and wounded 239. And that hadn't gotten much attention. And again, it wasn't at a government building or right. an army deep. It was at an open market and, you know, in some suburb i mean it wasn't it wasn't you know a that's high value target it was a soft I mean, target this, in people's daily yes. lives yeah it's yeah. all of this you know all of these things so i it just i you know i just i can't i, I can't think of things in the same way because I, I this event has moved me so much yeah so, yeah I'm, well that's so, a that's quite a story because it really says a lot about the french people and and their resolve and you know, but as I've heard every French person say on on news this week, we love our liberty. This is very important to us. We're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna give that up just because of this. But it does make you stop and pause, for sure, about just daily activities. Very different scenario than a government building. Yeah. Yep. So Martha and her daughter and her husband were safe at the hotel. They have to figure out how to get back to the U.S. via Spain, um, but. You know, I, I, you know, uh, like many people, I think there's a great sense of relief when you can reach out and, you know, connect with your friends and, and know that they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, obviously there'll be more details coming out on this story, but our, you know, our best wishes go out to everybody whose family 
were involved. I've immediately thought of a lot of friends I have because my son is a junior in college who are over there on their junior year abroad. And that's what they said because they targeted this nightclub and targeted, you know, restaurants later at the evening. So many of the victims were really young. They were in their, you know, late 20s and, and students and things like that. So that's also very sobering, super sobering. All right, Julie, thanks for that. Um, switching gears completely, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the book tour. We got a late night uh, email from Liz last night updating us. Thank you to everybody from Minnesota who clearly showed up with chocolate-covered potato chips and, <laughs> and other treats. I'm a little bit jealous, Lynn. They got a lot of goodies. <laughs> I know. Sheila and Liz were in St. Paul. Uh, They had time to take in the sights, like the Mary Tyler Moore statue that used to be there. I'm sure someone can explain why they took it down. I don't know why. It was kind of iconic. And then uh, they visited with some satellite sisters that looks like they were spotted on the street and identified by, you know, look and voice. And so there were a few pictures like that. But then you really showed up at Subtext Books. Many, many thanks to Subtext for their support. We actually... We had a hard time finding uh, a location for this, and a small independent bookstore in St. Paul stepped up and said, oh, sure, we'll take this on, and it turned out to be a great event for all. Apparently, about 150 people were there last night, and uh, and here's the, here's the text that, or the email Liz said uh, we were supposed to read on the show, because the theory was Liz was going to come home, and she and Sheila were going to tape something. Now, as soon as she told me that, I was like, well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because that was ambitious. They, that was very after the book. Reading. Yeah, and have you met Sheila? I mean, that's it's just <laughs> it's just she gets eight o'clock. It's over. Yeah, and so she has to like talk to hundreds of people, and she's not going to come home and go. Yeah, let's record a show. But um, Liz, you know, it's just Liz. Hope springs eternal with Liz. But here's what Liz wrote: Minnesota matched the awesome turnout in both NYC and LA. Minnesota rocks. We signed and signed and signed and then we had a great after party with our hardcore SS peeps lots more conversations about friendship, change, jobs, kids aging parents and chocolate covered potato chips. Thanks to the many of you who brought us snacks Leanne, you told us a visit to Minnesota would be good for our self-esteem, and you were right. Extra love to Sue and Matt at Subtext Books. Plus, we use lots of Lauren signs. Julie, just we are keeping those signs moving around the country. It's really fun. And then, I think, yeah, I think they're going to be at all family events. I think we'll, just, you know, we'll incorporate them into our Thanksgiving holidays. But what yes. I like about large signs is they cover up the whole middle portion of your body. And that's... <laughs> I have discovered for photo taking, it just takes a lot of the pressure off. (laughs) If your midsection is covered by a big, beautiful hand-done sign that says you're the best. So, uh, Monica, they're coming to Portland. Don't worry. Uh, And uh, Catherine, our niece Catherine Dolan, Nordenson's in-laws were there uh, because they're from Minnesota. So it was a family affair, but not all family. So uh, well done, Minnesota. Fantastic. I'm sure Liz and Sheila will have more updates and more stories to share with us, but we appreciate it. That is a great turnout. That's a great event for a small independent bookstore like Subtext. um, And uh, we really, really appreciate the support there. Okay, well, it just ups the competition because Natalie and I've had to brand the the Dallas event all by myself. I didn't even ask our branding expert sister, Liz, about this. So it's now called I Dare You to Come to Dallas. (laughs) I like it. And this is Thursday, December 3rd at noon at the Barnes & Noble in Preston Royal, um, uh, which is on uh, Royal Lane. 
I also, I'm throwing it in, Leanne, light refreshments will be served. Oh, yeah, Jewel. Yeah, bring I, it. I, and this is, okay, I saw that. I saw many, Minneapolis. I was like, okay, so Leanne's going to be there. Yep. I'm going to be there. Vera is going to be there, okay? So this will be the first appearance for Vera. And this morning when I saw the reaction in Minneapolis, I was like, I'm going to get Alice out of school. Yeah. And she's going to come to this event too. <laughs> Throw down. Oh, yeah. It's a throw come down. On. Okay, we're just, well, I'm, I'm just up. So I dare you to come to Dallas. We're in the center of the country. Just come. It's a noontime event. It's going to be fun. Light refreshments. We'll all be there. We can do this. I know. Thursday doesn't seem as convenient as, say, Saturday afternoon, but just think about it. It's pretty convenient. There are a million flights in and out of Dallas, like a million. So from everywhere, you can go in and out of Dallas on the hour, every hour. It's a beautiful shopping area. Two airports, DFW or Love Field. Okay, check into it. It's cheap. And Julie, we're trying, we're trying to secure some nothing but cakes. Is that fair to say? Should we we tip our hand? Yeah. we. Part of the light refreshments, but I'm thinking little little sandwiches too, Leah. Oh, I, Julie, that would nice. Be very nice. Okay, okay, I know. we'll work on it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I like it. I think that's it. We dare you to come to Dallas. It's a fantastic time of year to do your holiday shopping in Dallas. Julie's going to post a whole tour of Dallas or whatever. She's going to make recommendations. There are a lot of great events. And I can just say personally, remember that brunch, that lunch we had at the Neiman Marcus last year downtown? Yes. Yes. (laughs) It was fantastic. That's the holiday lunch. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'm going to make a list. We're going to talk about it on the Tuesday show. Okay. All right. So that Dallas, that is Thursday, December 3rd at noon but beforehand monica you and i are just going to be sitting in a bar in portland are, are you issuing any challenges or anything <laughs> that's right we're gonna we're gonna be at uh the lucky lap so that'll be fun that's so, uh tuesday november 24th tuesday i'm writing it down because i feel like that's one i'm gonna forget no i know i'm going i'm gonna be there uh so tuesday night we didn't get a bookstore in um, Portland, but that's okay. We decided this was better. It's a, you know, no host situation, the Lucky Lab in Northwest from 5 to 8 p.m. We encourage you to buy your books at local bookstores and then bring them to us. We will be happy to sign them and just meet up and uh, enjoy each other each other's company the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Um, Monica, I take it you are not providing light and fresh r- refreshments, but you're just encouraging people to go buy their own refreshments. Yeah, but, Is that you know, they can buy them at the bar. There's okay. pizza there. Yeah. But Leon, I want to tell you, I ordered my books from Annie Bloom's books. That's a small local bookstore in Multnomah. Mm-hmm. And I ordered them online and I got them two days later. They called me. So, okay. Annie Bloom's? Annie Bloom's. Okay. I'm going to, we're going to, I know we're going to, I'm going to try to swing by there when we're there, but I'll, I'll post that link, uh, on our Facebook page and stuff if people want to do that. So, so there you go. We're still a traveling, but then Julie, this week I, while Liz and Sheila are flying to Minneapolis, I just did a simple sit and sign here in Pasadena at a beautiful, at a beautiful gift store called Salutations. First of all, I was just surprised at the sheer number of women in Pasadena buying gifts at noon on a Friday. (laughs) I mean, that gift gift store was packed. You didn't know that was a thing. I had no idea that people were like, were out buying cocktail napkins at noon on Friday. Like they, they had to have their Christmas cards ordered, their frames for their parents' 50th wedding anniversary. That store was hopping. And uh, I sold a, a wonderful number of books. I really appreciate it. But one of the women who came, Julie, this is... 
I don't know. She may have Urban Nana beat. Her name is Char. Her name is Charlotte. Her daughter okay. is Shannon. There, Shannon lives in Pasadena, but Shannon and her husband. Uh, her husband works for Disney, and so works at the the Hong Kong Disneyland Park, Hong oh, Kong that's... Disney Park. Here's Charlotte is the grandmother. She moved to Hong Kong with oh. her daughter to care for the kids. <laughs> For a year, like a year and a half assignment. I mean, that's something, Urban Nana. That is that, okay. Okay, <laughs> international Urban Nannying. It's unbelievable. All right, that is impressive, Lynn. <laughs> I know. I tip my, I tip my hat or or my stroller or whatever I do to to that because that is that's very impressive, and I'm sure it was a big help. And yes, she, she they're they're here for a short time, but then they're going back. The whole family, the daughter, the grandmother. I really appreciated that they were lovely, and they said. They like to listen to Satellite Sisters as expats. It's their touchstone back to the United States. So oh. I thought that was really nice. But I was really impressed when she told me she, she had moved there to, to help her daughter in Hong Kong. That's, <laughs> okay. that was, that's good, Lane. That's very strong. Yes. Okay, All she's right. got me beat. All right. All right. There you go. Um, Monica, I'm so glad you're on the show today because I saw an interesting article in the Wall Street Journal and uh, it, you know, it made me think of you at all. But it also made me think of of all of us because it was about caregiving um, and that this was a story about a woman, Hannah Block, who and she and some of her uh, uh, three other people have put together a little company um, that operates in India. Okay. And she was over there as a grad student. And one of the things that she noted when she was working in public health in the hospitals in India is that when an Indian patient is sick, like the whole family comes to the hospital, like, you know, it's, and they stay at the hospital. They really camp out. But she also noticed that one of the problems that nurses and doctors were having was that in many cases, um, that they were having difficulty communicating with the family about post-op care or when the patient was leaving the hospital, you know, how to do the medications and the treatment and the follow-up because of there may have been like language barriers given the large number of languages that are, that are spoken in India. It may have been um, a literacy issue. And so Hannah and three of her other friends saw this as an opportunity because she said all the families are there in the hospital. It was a hospital. So she thought this would be a good idea. It's a good place to teach the family members how to care for their family member that's not well. And so she put together videos, um, sort of more, but in the, like, in the uh, spirit of, like, Bollywood or Indian soap operas. So they're kind of very light, you know, but at the same time, they're conveying, like, technical medical information to families so that they can sit while they're sitting there in the hospital, they're watching these videos on their cell phones about how to care for their family members. What a great idea. Isn't that that a neat idea? So she's done this now for 25,000 families um, in 20 different hospitals. Isn't that neat? I mean, I know, I mean, I remember when you know, when mom and dad were in the hospital, it's bewildering when they give you that sheet, you know, I like, know. you know, the aftercare, like, okay, you're going home now. Here's a sheet. You get it? And you're like, whoa, you know, it's just- And they're so sick and they're still sick. Sending you home with them. Sick and, and families are afraid, you know, yes, they're yeah. afraid to take care of their parents or their child because it's a lot of physical work and they're afraid they're going to hurt them or do something wrong. And no, I mean, I know the nurses spend a lot of time trying to teach the families how to take care of people 
while, before they go home. You know, if there's two feedings or medications they need to have, but to go home and have a video to watch, that would also be comforting, you know, yeah. to have that as a backup. Yeah, you could watch it like several times because right. that was, you know, even if you understood the instructions, it's like when you get home, you're like, oh, no, did I remember everything right. associated with that? So I just thought this was sort of a simple, wonderful idea for for caregivers and directed at the families of, of those that are providing the care. So oh, that's an incredible story, Julie. Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Um, today is November 15th. It would have been our dad's 88th birthday today. So we think of him every day. I mean, not a day. I wrote, you know, I wrote about that in the book. Not a day goes by that I don't think about them, you know. So it's good. Right. It's, it's not supposed to be this segment. I was like, let's just mention it. It will be fine. And I was just, yeah. <clears throat> but it's true. It's hard to, it's hard to put a timeline on grief. And um, I was reminded of, uh, twice this week, actually, I spoke to an old friend who had lost her husband in March, just, you know, 50 year old man dying of multiple myeloma, been diagnosed and, and sick for five years. And but sick but healthy for five years, like you have never would have known to look at him and then sort of ended up dying suddenly of cancer. And it was the first time we had really had a chance to sit down and have a coffee and sit across the table from each other. And um, and then another old childhood friend of mine who lost her dad in the spring, you know, wrote to me like, Leanne, I don't understand this feeling. And I think, you know, grief takes many forms, but one of the things that surprised both of them was how physically draining grief is. And I was just wondering if you remember that period after the first year, like sometimes you'd wake up and you'd just be exhausted. Remember that? Or just, you know, crying at the drop of a hat. And my friend who lost her husband has had to step in and take over his business. And it's a retail business. And she said for the first couple of months, it was the thing that got her out of bed. Like if she didn't yeah. have that, she didn't, she just like was on full adrenaline, just uh -huh. going to these meetings and they, it's a, they own three or four different stores. And so they were building out a store when he died and she had like construction to oversee in the weeks after his death. And she said now sort of she's reached, you know, three or four months out and like that adrenaline is gone and now she's just left with this kind of overwhelming grief. And she said she'll be at meetings with these construction workers and just burst into tears, you oh. know, or just, uh, it was, it was, I was just reminded like, you know, cause it's our dad's birthday and, you know, you think, oh, it's been three years since his death in February. It's still sad and there's no timeline. Yeah. And I, I just had to remind them both. Like I was surprised by the exhaustion, mm -hmm. by the headaches you can't mm -hmm. sleep, the distraction, you know, our hospice workers sent us this monthly newsletter every month for a year after our mom died. And it was so helpful just to read like, oh, this is normal. I, I thought it was me. Like I, I didn't understand why I couldn't sleep or couldn't focus on a task at work or just as my, my friend Daisy said, I feel like there's a million pounds on my neck every day. Oh. And it wasn't, emotional it was physical you know she was having a physical manifestation of grief so yeah. i just thought i would say you know i'm thinking of both of you but just remind people grief takes a long time doesn't it, it doesn't disappear it's it's 
this idea you should be over it or something, it just it takes a long time no matter, you know, even again, our father was 85 when he died. He had a wonderful life. He was surrounded by people who loved him. It's still sad, still sad. Yeah. So birthday today. Okay. That is a really hard transition for Monica. So I'm sorry, Monica. Was your birthday this week too? Was your birthday this week? Did you do anything special? It was, I know. Well, um, I cleaned out my gutters. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's living, Monica. Living large. That is Portland. Portland style birthday celebration. I heard there was this pineapple express coming this weekend, which is like warm wet, windy weather. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to clean out those gutters. So after many years of cleaning out gutters unsuccessfully, I now, I have a tip that I'd like to pass along. You need latex gloves. You need those (laughs) dishwashing gloves. (laughs) Okay, good. Good one, Monica. You just don't want to stick your bare hand in the gutter. That's not a good move. You can't stick your bare hand in there because it's just muck. You know, it's wet, it's cold, it's leaves. Leaves have now decomposed. And then there's a lot of metal that you scrape your hands against. And I tried for years using gardening gloves, but the gardening gloves get wet after like the first three scoops. So I, you get yourself a pair of latex, brand new dishwashing gloves. I'm telling you, it made the job a joy this week. Of course, you need a ladder. Uh, and put your cell phone. I don't. I don't like. I don't like you on the ladder, Monica. I'm a little worried about that. And put your cell phone in your back pocket. Well, I know my neighbor across the street, Terry. She worries about me, so she watches me on the ladder. Oh, that's good. I'm with Terry. You need. I when Barrett goes up on the ladder, I get. I freak out. Yeah. I know I'm not supposed to go on a ladder. I mean, I work with neurologists. They always say people over 50 shouldn't get on ladders. <laughs> that was really. <laughs> That was a blanket statement a neurologist told me once. People over 50 should not get up on ladders. But, you know, you got your late. So I felt pretty good because those those gutters are clean. And now the rain is flowing through the gutters. So that was really my birthday treat. But one thing I did do, I know you guys are gallivanting around the country, but I went to Chicago last weekend. Oh. oh. Yes. <laughs> surprise trip. No, I mean, it wasn't a surprise to me. It was a work trip. Um and I just forgot how wonderful Chicago is. Yeah, it's, it's a great city. Yeah, it, it's such a great city, and the weather was good, and it was windy. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying it wasn't windy. It was windy, but it was just wonderful. And I, I had to go for a work meeting, and I didn't think I'd have any free time. But I ended up between like the meeting and the dinner going out and I walked down to the lake. I walked along Lakeshore Drive. Right. I, I Northwestern. I didn't, I had no idea the campus was right downtown Chicago. So well, they that, have two. There's like one across the lake too. It's the same oh, with Loyola, Chicago. Yeah. They, they, they're, yeah. Cause I have friends that go to both schools. So there's one on the other side of the lake as well, which is beautiful, but the kids go back and forth. They took classes at both campuses. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And, um, you know, I was right there. What is that? The Miracle Mile? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. That's a great street, isn't it? You know what? I did some shopping. I mean, it was mainly window shopping, but, you know, I went into Saks Fifth Avenue and 
I went into the Burberry store where I couldn't even afford, you know, a piece of paper, but what the heck? <laughs> That's about right. Yeah, you, you can't even afford one, uh, like just a half a glove, you know, you can't. <laughs> I know. Even one glove. But I still enjoyed going in there. You know, it was fun. And I ended up, I went to uh, Italy. You know, that's that food emporium that Mario Batelli and that oh, Lydia Bastianich. Oh, yeah. They have one in, or however you say her name. They have one in New York. Well, they yeah, have that's a Chicago, really fun one. Chicago, too. It was super fun. Um, I had lunch there on Saturday. I went to the Contemporary Art Museum. So I managed to squeeze a lot in, I thought. Um, when you don't actually like try on clothes, yeah, it frees up your day. Yeah, just <laughs> it's magnificent mile. I looked that up because I okay. know we'll get the magnificent mile. Yeah, magnificent We're, mile. And yeah. we, I was staying right there. So, anyways, it was a very successful trip. But, oh, good. Um, I I knew I had to come up with something for the show today. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit, Monica. That's right. Thanks. And cleaning, no, we're... The gutter, cleaning the gutters wasn't really going to be a headliner. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I decided to go to the movies yesterday because, of course, the Pineapple Express, the rain has come. Uh, so I, I saw a movie yesterday that I can recommend to the Satellite Sisterhood. It's called Spotlight. Oh, yes. I really want to see this. Yeah. Spotlight. So this is a newsroom drama, and it's a story about how the investigative reporting unit at the Boston Globe uncovered the child molestation scandal with the Boston Catholic Church and the whole cover up that even like the Archbishop uh, of Boston was in on it and all their lawyers and I would say the movie was very good. Not great, but very good. Now, the cast the was... The cast is incredible, The isn't cast it? is incredible. I mean, Lee Schreiber, right? Yeah. yeah. He plays uh, the, the editor-in-chief of the Boston Globe. He's excellent, as is Michael Keaton, who's the head... Oh. Who's the head of... I know. He, he's fantastic. Who's the head of this investigative reporting unit i mean the reason i liked it is i like newspapers i mean I, <laughs> well i love the newspaper you know the newspapers you and about the four other people left yeah. in the world i know i know i know but i'm holding out right. i still okay. appreciate I journalism yeah yeah it, 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 and so it was it was a pretty tense drama i have to say so they they have the team of reporters and they're called spotlight and the, and they've had the spotlight at the Boston Globe. And so these are this investigative team. They spend a year or maybe a couple of years researching and writing, you know, about some important issue in Boston. And, you know, they decided to take on the Catholic Church, which was wow. very powerful right. in Boston. And they had to sue them. Um, and it was sort of Lee Schreiber came in. He was the ed new editor-in-chief. And he saw this as a really important story for Boston. And um, so it was a very satisfying movie. People clapped. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh a good, that's, that's a good sign. Yeah. People clapped. I mean, it was a mature audience. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, those are the people that what are time, still, Monica? What time did you go to the movies? Those are the people that still read the newspaper. That, I know. I know. But we need journalists because I, otherwise, you know, who would uncover this stuff? Who would, who exactly. would speak, speak truth to power? You know, that's we need this. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I believe in that, Julie. I believe in the newspaper. That's why I enjoyed the movie. It was very, very good. And I got to tell you, Stanley Tucci. 
best I've ever seen him. Oh, I love him. Yeah, yeah he plays this lawyer that's representing all these families of their cho- the children that have been molested. He was excellent in the movie. It was it was good. It was a very good movie. Very satisfying. It's hard to believe he could be better than he was in Devil Wears Prada, but I'm sure it sounds like a very different role. Oh, yeah, you're right. Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> he was so good in that. But... So good at that. Okay. You'll okay. love him in this, though. Okay, Spotlight, so you would recommend it. Very good, not great. Two paws up. Two paws up, okay. Well, yesterday I went, unbelievably, I went to two movies in a single day. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I'm just going to... And I'll I'll tell you why. I just, well, no, it it was a rare Saturday where I, A, didn't have any work to do and B, I was all alone in my house. Uh, So, so, and I I work in the house. So I actually like to get out on the weekends because I'm here five days a week, six days a week working usually. And so um, my son, Colin has a new job. Thank you very much. He is a bookseller now. He's working good. at a small bookstore in Montrose, uh, California for the holiday season. So he went off to his bookselling job. My husband went off to his job at five in the morning. He had stuff to do. So, and I was feeling really data, down about dad. I'll say it. I was just oh. really feeling sad. So I thought, well, I'm just going to go to a really sad movie then. I went, <laughs> which was good. It's a good choice. Leah, you know, sometimes I do that too. Yeah. So I went to see Brooklyn, which oh, is based is? on the Colm Tobin book, which won the Pulitzer Prize, I believe. And But the screenplay is by Nick Hornby. And it's the story of Brooklyn in the 1950s, the Irish immigrants that come oh. and how they assimilate. Okay, you guys, I was crying at the the music. Like, the, <laughs> there, were, there weren't even any people on the screen yet. And, <laughs> Start in with that Irish music, and then it just, it was a complete and total sob fest for me. Oh. I mean, the movie is lovely and beautiful. The acting is perfect. Uh, the the young woman who stars in it, who has a very tough to pronounce Irish name, uh, is really great. Uh, it's a sister story. It's a mother-daughter story. It's a, a finding your home story. Oh, my gosh. I... I have not cried this much since The Fault in Our Stars. I don't know if you saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, oh yeah, that's a tear. That's one where you cry all the way through. And this yeah. was like three or four times. There was like open sobbing in the movie. And just, <laughs> I'm sh- <laughs> so I'm sure, Monica, mature audience, I was the youngest person in the audience by 15 years. There's no doubt at the 2 p.m. show on Saturday afternoon. So I seem to be crying more than the rest of the people in the movie, but it's a winner. I think even if you're a touch Irish, you're just going to lose it. And, uh, but if you're a lot Irish, like bring an IV because you're just going to need to rehydrate after. And so, and it was, so I came over that. I was, I was drained. I was like physically drained from going to the movies. And I had told my husband, Hey, I'd like to go see this movie. Do you want to go? He's like, no, no, go ahead. So we get home. He's back from his run. It's five o'clock Saturday. And I'm thinking, well, let's order a pizza and watch the UCLA game. And he goes, Hey, do you, do you want to go to the movies? And I looked at him. I'm like, I just went to the movies. (laughs) But it's a date, Leon. Go, go, Leon. Julie, you've been married a long time too, so you know it was easier just to go to the movie than to not go. <laughs> like, 
like, don't fight it. Don't fight it. Yeah. He wants to go out. Go. go. He wanted to go see the new James Bond movie. Yes. Uh, and so even though I had l- really just come home from the theater, we... <laughs> He went back into the dark. Same okay. same movie theater. And what I loved was we were walking into the theater and it's at a mall where they're doing a lot of reconstruction. And my husband starts telling me, well, we should go over here because they're doing reconstruction on the mall. I'm like, yeah, I know. I was just here two hours ago. <laughs> I know. So, so, uh, what did you think of the new James Bond movie? You know, it was fine. Uh, I'm going to quote our late mother by saying it was 20 minutes too long. Um, you know, it just, <laughs> so, uh, it, it has all the bells and whistles that you want. I, I didn't think, I don't love James Bond movies. I mean, I like Daniel Craig and I think the last three have been great, but there's always kind of that weird cartoony aspect to the villains in James mm-hmm. Bond movies that I don't love, but you know, he loved it and that's all that mattered. We, <laughs> so I actually, Julie, I took, I did some pre-sleeping in the movie. I, <laughs> I took a little <laughs> nap. <laughs> Take a little nap after about an hour and a half. I drained. I was drained. Monica, I was drained. I had to rehydrate. I had uh, some water. I took a little nap and I woke up and there was a scene that looked like to be the most terrifying dentist scene in the world, which I don't need to see. So I closed my eyes for some of it. But, you know, that that Daniel Craig, he wears clothes like no other man in the world. I can't explain it. Like, why do the clothes look better on him? Like yeah, he, like he, I think those are Burberry suits. I don't know what he's got on, Lance, but they look good. They yeah, look really and he, good. Yeah. yeah, he just had a lot of spectacular outerwear. Like I don't usually notice the clothes that men wear in films. It's usually the women or what. No, but he just he can really wear clothes, and he's you know very what it dynamic. is. They were really tight, tight. It's really <laughs> attractive. Yeah, but yet he was able to leap yeah. tall buildings and jump around in them. So they must have some. That's what I was thinking when I saw that movie. There must be some stretchy material in those suits because he's moving he's really moving well. he was running yeah. for like two hours and 28 minutes but maybe, I, maybe not your daughter's jeans no. <laughs> <laughs> just a touch of that material yeah i think it's like 100 percent spandex <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh i you know i mean <laughs> it was just when he said but you like going to the movies i was like yeah but not morning noon and night i mean <laughs> I know I didn't complain we went it was fine he he enjoyed the film and uh and so that's good I I think though I'm I, I heard rumors that this may be the last one of the franchise and I, I'm fine with it I, I prefer the board movies to the um to the to the James Bond movies but again I don't know what that quilted jacket was that <laughs> was Cr- that was spectacular yeah that <laughs> If I could get my husband Tim Daly's haircut and that jacket, I think <laughs> we're good. Okay. Don't right. tell him that. Don't but tell him that. Just I'm not gonna tell him that. I'm not gonna But Brooklyn, I highly recommend it. Bring tissues. You know, Spectre, just it just enjoy. Bring popcorn to that one. Okay, good. Well, I have one more little uh, bit of it's it's entertainment news, but it's mainly neighbor news. That's what I'm pitching uh, here today. And this is about one of our uh, former neighbors uh, from Connecticut. Uh, She lived down the street or up the street from us. And that's Carol Wallace. And her married name is Hamlin. And Carol uh, Wallace, her younger sister, um, Josephine Wallace, was one of Sheila's best friends. Right. Um, Yes. 
Yes, yes. So she just posted uh, a new video um, that I'm going to give you the link. So we'll put that up on our website. But she she started her career as a writer. And well, one of her first books was uh, the Preppy Handbook. Do you yep. know that, that she was one <laughs> famous of the Preppy Handbook? Yep. The famous the Preppy Handbook. So um, so she put up this video that's, I guess, you know, she said somebody is making her do this video. But anyway, she's got a video up. It's two minutes. It's interesting to watch. But the other um, book that she wrote with one of the co-authors of the Preppy Handbook is um, To Marry an English Lord. I don't know. Did you ever read her book? It came out about 10 years ago. No. And what it was is she sort of got interested in the whole, um, the group of American women at the turn of the century that, you know, that were married, that married English lords. Okay. So she, she and a co-author wrote a book about this. Um, and then this book got picked up by, um, fellows, the guy who wrote, who does, um, 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 Down Abbey. Uh, Down Abbey. Julian yes. fellows, Julian, fellows. Julian fellows. Okay. So he read Carol Wallace's book, uh, um, about an American, uh, to marry an English Lord. And that, in fact, was the inspiration for Downton Abbey. Really? Did you know this? Yes. This is a, yes, this is a true story yes, about I a did, neighbor. I did know this. I did know yes. all this. Yes. So you can watch this all on her little video um, that she has posted. But that is what inspired Downton Abbey because uh, Julian Fellows wanted to imagine, like, what it would be like, like, okay, these heiresses came over. They married the English lords. Well, what would it be like? 25 years later when they're living in the drafty castle, you know, with, uh, with the crusty with the English Lord, Lord. Yeah. with the English Lord. And that was sort of, the, that was the inspiration for Downton Abbey. So as we begin to start the final season I know. of Downton Abbey, I think we should all read our former neighbor's book, to marry an English lord. How about that? Oh, wow. I, you know, I sort of knew that there were a bunch of these American heiresses. I think the podcast, The History Chicks, did yes. uh, a show on that. But I yes. did not realize that neighbor Carol Wallace had been involved yes, in that. She's is. a good writer. Good for her. She's a, she's a wonderful writer. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, the, this book, because of its connection to the, you know, wildly popular Downton Abbey, I mean, that's a that's a story that I don't think people know. But oh. now you know it. Okay. okay. All right. Do you think you can get her to Dallas for our book signing? <laughs> Since I she's dare, coming, light dare, refreshments. I dare, you, I dare you to come to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. The good news is Liz just texted me. She is now in possession of Lauren's adorable signs. So oh. she's got them. I handed them off to Sheila after Pasadena and take to Minnesota. Liz now has them. She's going to take them to Portland and then I'll get them and I'll bring them to Dallas. So there you go. We got the signs going. All right. Anyone have anything happening this week? Well, I have like a hundred book events, but anybody <laughs> I have like nonstop book events, which is fantastic. Very excited to be out and about. A lot going on here in Pasadena. Uh, anybody? I think I believe I'm going to start making mini sandwiches. For okay. That's, that will be my. Julie's going to start cutting crust off. Yes, I know. <laughs> and then Monica, what besides the gutter cleaning? Anything no, else? I have two, two social events this week. <laughs> two dinners, Monday and Friday. Ooh, that's a lot for me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Got to get prepped for that. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we are the Satellite Sisters. If you need any, if you need anything from us, you can email us at info at satellitesisters.com. Here's the thing. We read those emails. We don't often respond, but we do read them. Uh, Cindy sent a lovely one about a chain of gift stores where she thinks the book would be great. So I sent that on to our distributors. Thank you, Cindy. Uh, so, and that's the best place to reach us or at our Facebook page. Um, you can find us at satellitesisters.com. And anything else I'm forgetting that we have to mention? I think that's it. I think that's it. All right. Well, I'm not going to another movie today, but (laughs) but there you have it. All right. Uh, Monica, Julie, have a good week. Thank you, Julian. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.